0: Welcome back for episode seven of beard banter. I don't expect a large number of people to run up in my background as I'm in the office again this week. Uh, So unlike the the show last week, um, won't get a lot of those interruptions, I wouldn't wager. But today, could <laughs> maybe you never know. this is the popular door to go out and pee uh, from this office, so it's very possible someone walks by. but uh, yeah, so uh Jimmy,'m I'm, I'm stupid, happy to have you here uh, i'm'm I'm, I'm probably even more excited about the topic of today, right and in, in, in which we're talking about this magical world one day uh, when we have no more passwords uh, and, and we do not live in that way but simply have other means of authentication so Jimmy, tell me about yourself a little bit. Uh, For anybody that doesn't know Jimmy Hatzel, um, worldwide celebrity, has a beard. So he theoretically qualifies for beard banter in that regard. Um, But yeah, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself for me, bud. Yeah, thanks, Matt. First of all, super happy and grateful to be on um my, my it looks very beard. beardy yes indeed very nice kelvin hey i got i got this i got a shirt i on noticed too. the I cyber shirt drain too. shirt like i'm super jelly right now <laughs> that i don't have a cyber uh, drain shirt to wear yet uh you hey, don't have to have happen got them in the
1: shop i don't know if you can buy the shirts through pax eight yet i
0: don't know <laughs> <laughs> nice we haven't we haven't added that the de- delivery method yet so uh, but anyways, I, I cut you off. Uh, hey, no, 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 good. It's always nice to have Kelvin in the house. He's uh, he's a little bit uh, low key. One of my heroes, so uh, it, it's always good to have have celebrities on. But uh, <laughs> uh, go go ahead and, and kind of introduce yourself, Jimmy. It sounds like a lot of people already know you, so that shouldn't be a problem. But for those yeah, that don't,
1: sure. sure. My name is uh, Jimmy Hatzel. Um, I work for a company called QuickPass, um, which is you know cybersecurity for MSPs. Um, uh, yeah. Uh I, I've worked in cyber my entire career in one way or the other. Uh, okay. I am I, I, I joke about this. I am young enough to uh have one of the first degrees in cybersecurity, uh and uh, from an actual accredited from program. From a real uh, accredited program.
0: program? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it probably wasn't out of date by the time you took the course material at all, I would imagine. Oh, well, it was brand new. <laughs> it was brand new. But it's
1: like a lot of it's out of date now, to be honest. But yeah. Uh, Got got to got to do that. Uh, I worked in IT for a number of years uh, for in small businesses. Uh, ran IT. Uh, had my own IT consulting. Um, so I know tons of MSPs. You know, come up. They start their MSP from. Hey, you're the guy who can fix computers, you know, let me pay you hourly to fix it. And then all of a sudden they've got a business that they need to run. And
0: then they're quitting their jobs all willy nilly and, you know, starting companies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I, I've been there myself. I never got to full managed services. I always stayed at a full-time job, uh, but I can definitely appreciate that world. Uh, I'm a, I'm a nerd technology enthusiast. um, And basically a couple of years ago from working IT, More IT proper and and running IT for a small healthcare company, Um, I I I just love cyber and I knew that I wanted to be at a cybersecurity company. It was like four or five years ago now. I saw the explosion gonna was gonna happen uh, and it was already it happened already in my mind. Right.
0: Um, (laughs) <laughs> you know, little, little did I you know, know that like this is like the beginning of yeah. this renaissance of of MSPs understanding security in general and SMB as well. So that's funny. Uh, yeah.
1: So and then I found a, a, a company called Scott Cybersecurity uh, that was new uh, or newer to the to the MSP world. Uh, they hadn't really yep. started working with MSPs yet. Uh, it was really like an MSSP servicing mid mid market and enterprise customers, sure. full stock build out, super cool stuff. Uh, and I was actually interviewing to work in the security operations center um, nice. originally. Like my first my first job that I interviewed for was actually an engineer um, for, for the SIM or the scene. How'd that
0: conversation go? Uh, You're not good enough at this, (laughs) but Jimmy, you can really sell. I think you should be in the community side or how'd that happen? (laughs) So, so the
1: first person that interviewed me said, I really like you. You seem to know a lot, but I'm looking for someone with about 10 more years experience than you. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, but then they, they sent me off and I went and interviewed for some other roles and, and eventually I found myself, um, in touch with the CEO, his name's Aiden Kehoe um, He he was the founder and CEO of Scout, uh, and, and he's he said, "I want you to join, but I want you, you know, we're gonna start selling to MSPs, uh, and I want you to, to to really start this and and sure. um, you know work in the go-to-market team and and come over on the sales side." And the, he said, "The first thing I want you to learn uh, is sales, and I want you to work on the sales team." Sure. Um, and, and he said because it's the hardest thing ever, <laughs> and people underestimate it. And we're going to work with MSPs, and they're going to be trying to sell. So uh, unless you have tried to sell cybersecurity before, uh, you're not going to understand how hard it well, is. So you
0: know, brother, you just touched on something, right? Because like I think part of this challenge is being in sales in cybersecurity specifically, especially to the SMB and MSP space. You're actually an educator, mm-hmm. like more than a salesperson. These people are wrestling with how do I deliver security? How do I and, and, and you now have to bring them to some educational curve before you can even have the conversation that, that, that drives them down the, this need cycle. Right. For, for you to be able to do that. So it makes it a very interesting. So I think what you just said there was kind of to unpack that was actually quite prescient. Right. Like this, uh, you yeah. know, any people that can actually have done this and can sell, but can also teach them to sell. Uh, and and that's because yeah a lot of the challenges there we could spend a lot of time on that conversation <laughs> no no and
1: it was totally like a like a case study like a, a small scale like go in <laughs> uh, like go in um, you know we were phasing out the direct business but go in learn how how it works and and how it's going right. and then you know we'll figure out what to do next and I did that for like two months uh, yeah. and then they put me in to run marketing uh, and I ran marketing for for scout for almost four years before or three years before getting acquired by barracuda and then worked at barracuda for a little bit as well and then came over quick pass uh to build out their marketing uh but yeah. i am you know I'm, I'm one of the few uh <laughs> marketers in this world who who have a cyber background a technical background as well uh it helps.
0: so I, I i yeah it, it helps it helps, it helps a lot <laughs> yeah one of my challenges um you know it, and, I, and this is you know i think across the board but Vendors, MSPs, MSSPs, if you wanna believe in that delineation, I don't. Um, But if you you lay that out there, oftentimes the marketing team are making promises that no one can deliver, they're inaccurate in the things they're discussing, they're framing things in the wrong way. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way, I just think it comes from not being a tactician, right? I think it comes from not turning the wrench and going, hey, this is how you bust your knuckles and here's how you keep the wrench on the bolt, right? Like there's an understanding of those nuances that doesn't often make it to marketing. So that's that's uh I think that's been quite an a, a benefit for you, right? And it makes the marketing land significantly more genuine, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Yeah, um, and, and you know, it's
1: like in in the marketing world, uh like now there's like this big emphasis on like community marketing and like yep. Like it's so thought uh, leadership, dude.
0: marketing, and
1: yeah, and it's like yeah. being with um, peers, like marketing peers at other software companies and B two B companies. They're like looking at it like a like like some like fishbowl or something. Like how do we join the community and how do we do yeah. community marketing? or someone like you and me, it's like we we're, we're in the community. Like we, yeah. we just talk and be ourselves.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah, like- yeah. <laughs> it's not fake, right? It, it's uh, it, it's not seen as disingenuous in some degree, right? I mean, that's uh, I think that's key to it. Right, It's the Rob Ray. I mean, if you look at Rob Ray and what he is in the community and the way that built and the way Datto built around that, I think it's a pretty example of 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 that genuine community marketing, right? Like genuinely being involved in that. So say what you will about Datto, I think uh, I think that's a great example and and maybe it's a little self-aggrandizing because that is kind of what I do, so like I would like to be seen as good at it. <laughs> um but yeah, no, for sure. And so then, you know, at, at your Scout years, you know, you came in driving marketing, driving that that kind of community understanding of marketing um there and then and then now it sounds like you've landed at a new location um, at, at QuickPass. Tell me how that kind of happened, if you will, if you're allowed to. Uh, yeah, sounds like a fantastic sure. opportunity for you.
1: Yeah, so so um, I, I, the founders, uh, Jim and Mateo, reached out to me. Um, Mateo has a, a large, large background of experience working in Silicon Valley and New York sure. Silicon Alley, they call it, um, developing software. For enterprise <laughs> companies and all of that. Uh, yeah, that Thanks, buddy. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and then Jim worked uh, and ran an MSP himself as well. So you know they asked me to get on a call, and they, they basically said, you know, we we have a great product. A lot of the MSPs use it, um, yeah. and we just we want to amplify marketing, and we haven't really done marketing before. and We want you to come in and build everything. So, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I've had conversations like this before. All right. Sure. sure, You know, you know, sure. If you're good at what you do, you
0: have a lot of them, right? Like it's kind of how that works out uh, fortunate or otherwise.
1: (laughs) But then I I went online and I started uh, doing my homework and like, you know, seeing what people were saying. And I was like, wow, actually a lot of people do use this and like, Oh, they actually do have some traction and called some people and, and um, got good feedback on them. And, and um you know a couple calls later decided to to come on board and and yeah. um it's crazy like i think i was the 12th or 13th uh employee and uh we just hit 20 the other day so nice congratulations
0: it like, yeah it was like three weeks
1: <clears throat> so like we're we're uh we're growing fast and uh, it's really fun like like I, I really like this stage of a company yeah. um, and, and to be able to grow with it. and have. A well, big, you have a you know, huge
0: okay. amount of autonomy. You can run with an idea in just a second, right? And you start getting into a thousand employees and it's, it's a little harder to be that agile uh, in, in some of these things. Right. And so I, I imagine it is the magical time. So we've spent 10 minutes getting to know each other and I don't want to, I don't want to be dis our topic. And so, what I want to do is set the stage for this. And for anybody watching, I'm going to do it a little bit ELI 5. I apologize. Uh, um, but when we talk about password lists, it, it, it's a nice marketing term, right? It's a great buzzword. It's fantastic. But what is it really talking about? So at the core of it what, it, what it really boils down to is traditional authentication is made up of three types of authentication. You have type one, which is something I know. Password. Right. Gotcha. Type two, something I have, something I physically possess. Most often that's a cell phone, whether it's a text message, whether it's an application, whether it's something else in that fashion, or it's going to be something which is my favorite, like a FIDO2 token, right? Or something that's WebAuthn or TOTP, but but a second factor, something you have. And then the third would be something you are, right? So biometrics, thumbprints, those type of things. When hair, we start talking beard, beard, DNA. beard, hair, DNA is great. Uh, you just put a little slit in there. It does a little yeah. burny thing. And then yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's like, that's Matt. Um, but, but no, you, you know, so it's all of these different types of things, very creative things. Some people even do dwell time and flight time, right? How long did it take me to leave my H and go to a J and how long was I in the air between those? And how long do I hold an H down? And How long do I hold the J down on my keyboard? Right? So When you're talking about password lists, most often what they're doing is removing the type one authentication or shifting the type one authentication. And here's why. If I'm a threat actor and I trick poor Jimmy into signing into an evil genics or evil jinx 2, however you want to say it, man in the middle proxy, and I capture his password, I can go reuse that password anywhere that collects and uses that password. So if that's Office 365, I can go to Office 365 and sign in. I have that type one authentication. What they're doing when you're talking passwordless is you're shifting off to a, I'm gonna read that in a second, but hold on. You're shifting, caught my right eye, but you're shifting off to a type two likely and a type three or some combination of type twos and threes or even sexier, a type two that has its own type one pair. So think of a FIDO token that has a PIN. That PIN is only valid on that FIDO token and in that context, signing into that service, which means traditional key loggers, stuff that's gonna get all my typing and store it and know that that's a password because it came right after quickbooks.com and then my username and my password, right? So they're going to take those things and shift them out to something that I can't capture with a keylogger. Or if I do, it's only contextually relevant if it's with this type 2 authentication, if it's with this FIDO token and the PIN number I use, of course, is 12341234. Uh, oh, per- perhaps I've said too much. Let's let's roll <laughs> this back. Uh, no, but the, the point is, Passwordless attempts to use other factors than something that's immediately capturable to determine if it's, if it's Jimmy or if it's not Jimmy, right? And so, so if I, I missed anything, when kind of the summation um, is, <laughs> Christopher's not wrong. Dude, he goes, everyone would have access to Matt's system if all they needed was beard DNA. Yeah, I shed like a damn dog, they're everywhere. Like my, the hotel, I have to leave 20 bucks just to say I'm sorry. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: it's crazy. even I have to do the almost daily uh, keyboard cleanup, you know, oh, like flip it upside rough. down, yeah. alcohol yeah. wipes, the whole deal.
0: <laughs> that's funny. But but, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about in passwordless. And so I do dream of a world where we are authenticating in ways that are significantly more real time that are constantly happening. Right. Think about passwords. When I sign into a website, I only sign in once. As soon as I sign in, that session is valid for sometimes long times, right? Like by Microsoft default, I think it's six months uh, is the default timeframe for a, an OAuth token. Um, so I think the conversation comes back to much more real-time constantly. Is that still Jimmy? Did Jimmy get up and walk away? And is that no longer Jimmy sitting there? Um, so so what are your thoughts on on passwordless? It's going to happen tomorrow, right, Jimmy? Isn't that the, the best way? We're real close? I, I wish, I wish. I like... I was doing some reading online, and
1: and um, it, it seems people the guess is like twenty forty is a good good guess okay. on when we will get rid of them, um, and it's going to take a long time a long 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 time to get there. And the reason is like we have these legacy systems. where you, you know, you talked about that advantage of moving right to to SaaS applications, and yeah, yeah. Um, like the newest applications will implement password listed per default. And I, and, and, and I think it's something to note here. Uh, it's not going to be because of security in most cases, it'll be because of UI and sexiness.
0: Bro, you so. just hit that nail so hard on the head that you hit it in one shot. You ever seen the, the guys that can like do framing hammers one shot, like you just <laughs> one shot at that nail. So like, honestly, um, you, you talk about that. The Starbucks CISO gave a speech at CSA, uh, uh, an executive conference that I was at for CSA is a little side thing. And he was talking about how they went passwordless, right? So they took their baristas, their systems, their their their, their core access systems, and went passwordless. They they ended up going with a FIDO2 tokens that they could just plug in, type in a PIN, hit their hit their inner key, and press the button. Um, and and what's funny was they didn't win on security merit at all. When he got that through the board, he won by saying, "Could you imagine if all fifteen thousand stores?" Had a barista that could sell coffee 30 seconds faster. Because now signing into the POS is simply plug go. That's huge. Yeah. Right? It's a business enabler. So yeah, you, you hit the nail right on the top of the head about the fact that you know it's gonna come from good UI and a better experience, right? A much more predictable experience around your signing in, you know, and, and there's barriers to entry to that, right? Like so I'm gonna share a screen here. Uh, Real quick, there's a website uh, called sso.tax. Are you familiar with it? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's the the wall of shame, too, right? It is
0: the wall of shame. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. And so I'll I'll go ahead and share this real quick. But, uh, you know, the the wall of shame is sso.tax. And so when we talk about it's going to be a problem, you know, to get through this, it's because one of the core components of going passwordless is having an identity provider. That can be extended into your SaaS applications, that can be extended in that says, once I know this is Jimmy and Jimmy's in the conference, all the different conference booths he walks up to, Jimmy's already authenticated. He should be able to access it because he's here. This is Jimmy. And so if you go look at, you know, the SSO wall of shame, like some of these places go from $10 on base to $60 per user just to be able to have SSO right $25 to 60 7 to 10 i think when i was at my former msp we spent like 130,000 a year just on sso tax just paying for these increases like dropbox for example i think you have to have the enterprise sku to have dropbox have sso Um, And so, you know, I I say all this really to point out that I think you're absolutely correct. We're a long way on the time horizon for this being ubiquitous, right? For this being across the board, everybody's using it. And so in the interim, you have this challenge, right? And, And this challenge is, how do you use legacy authentication models, right? That are type one, pretty much just type one, maybe some type two with like a TOTP code, which is horrible. Um, but how do, you, how do you deal with that? And, and I think that's kind of what's interesting is you've landed at an answer, right? Is that that is one of the things they principally do is bridge that gap in privileged access management, in access management that's just in time for GIA, right? You're just in time, just enough access. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think you hit the point that we've got a long time till then. And so if we were gonna give some prescriptive advice you know what would you say to people trying to figure out this struggle towards working with passwords and getting them under control which is the first challenge and then eventually using that to start driving towards a passwordless world if that was their, their endeavor like what would be your advice there sure sure i well, well first of all
1: like it's important to keep perspective on this like security in the security world we have a, a tendency to to like uh be you know
0: Arrogant like, yeah, a
1: little snobby about things, but let's be real. Like, like the average person just to pull up some statistics in my notebooks, completely unsighted sources. So yeah, yeah. That really most, bad.
0: I think 90% of all statistics are made up on the spot. 60% of the time.
1: There you go. I think Abe Lincoln <laughs> said that.
0: Um, yeah, so if the average business
1: user has 191 passwords sure. uh, every hour, on average we are logging into a new uh service or system somewhere whether it's our unlocking our computer logging into our yeah. email whatever it is every single hour we're doing this on the computer you know i'm sure we're doing it on the phone more as well and people like you and i probably doing it even more than that um so like when you talk about like uh, <laughs> uh when you talk about like oh make a unique password for every single cool. account like no average person can remember one hundred and ninety unique passwords. It's just impossible. And you yeah, can and if you
0: put an exclamation point after this one. <laughs> and oh yeah, no, you can't.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have uh, Matt, and then like Zoom exclamation yeah. point. And like, I
0: actually use Jimmy's bearders better than mine uh, as, as my usual passphrase that I use. Yeah, it's it, it keeps me humble. So. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's you no, I, I, Matt, Matt, Matt's beard is better than mine. But I, but I think what you're yeah. getting at is password managers are the interim aspect of this, right? And hopefully tied yeah. to a single sign-on source, right? Yes. Where I sign into my password manager from this one principal SSO that I can control, whether that's Azure Active Directory, whether that's Okta, whether that's Google. Uh, whether that's AWS and their services. But the ultimate point is some core identity that is the virgin perfect world. This is what I'm going to use. It's got all my conditional access policies. It's got the ability to actually really, really protect that front end. And hopefully it's passwordless, but then it signs into your password manager, right? And it gives you access to those, you know, poor legacy credentials that cannot be converted yet. Uh, Have I jumped the gun on your advice, Jimmy? Is that is that pretty low we're heading?
1: You're spot on. You're spot on. You 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 need a password manager in today's world. It's just like impossible to function without it. And and you you take all the steps. You enable all the security fact. Uh, you know options. Uh, to protect that one account, but the alternative, like it is just the 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 uh you know the 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 best it's not necessarily the best option it's the least worst option right Fair, so,
0: yeah fair. <laughs> and, and like, god dang it change your stupid passwords like i can't tell you how many times i've seen somebody go i got a password manager yeah but every fucking password's the same goddamn password you didn't change a thing like you just stored all the same passwords like that's so don't miss the point that you have to iterate through those passwords and at least change them to be unique uh, as part of that endeavor too right like you can't just collect them and gather them um but yeah yeah seen that ab- absolutely and
1: and like like well, not all accounts are the same too so like like if you're if you're an msp like your your average employees um you know whatever canva account or whatever like i don't know like like random you yeah. know uh, love
0: whatever. canva by the way it's fantastic
1: yeah yeah like some random account that's not as um you know privileged as say uh, access to like an admin account on an active directory server of one of their clients or all of yeah. their clients or yeah. you know, o 0365 tenant admin uh, or their internal systems. Um, so like yeah,
0: you're starting to talk about external risk, right? You're starting to talk about not just risk to you on an internal systems and your internal Canva and your internal uh, aspect, right? But this risk of you're now accessing someone else's sovereign system in which you have fiduciary responsibility, right? You now are the asset kind of risk holder uh, in that way. And Bryson does make a fantastic point. Uh, This is like fighting with a corked bat though. Like Bryson's a, genius in security anyway but accurate like let the generator generate it for you don't think that you can come up with enough entropy for you to generate passwords yourself right you're gonna have the same patterns you're gonna have the same attack surface that plays out whereas a random generator is not and and set them long make them 12 20 30 characters i know it's a pain in the ass when you got to type it into your hulu.com at home on tv but other than that it's definitely worth having long passwords they're they're significantly harder to crack cryptographically um, so yeah, I, sorry. I have to give Bryson
1: credit here because he shared something past Wordle, um, which was just my favorite. I saw around. that on his link. I was like, that's so good. Yeah. So so my um my, a, a friend of mine, he gets the Wordle in like a minute, like every single day. And then there's sure. also Loodle, which is like lewd words. And he gets that in like oh. a minute every day. So he does, wordle, loodle, he does the Wordle he does the Loodle. Think. Yeah, it, it might be loodle. better for you. I don't know. I, it was better <laughs> for me It's in, for in my that's vernacular
0: for sure. But uh, but I
1: sent him Passwordle, and I'm like,
0: you can't do this one, huh? <laughs> that's so good. So it's a legit service. I thought it was a joke. I thought this was a past Wordle was a was a, a bit of a of humorous, uh but it actually. Well, exists. I don't know.
1: I he might have had like a joke one, but I, I googled it and somebody did did oh, that's make one. So um, good. His was a like like shot two fifty six hashes of of like yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. other word like the daily Wordle or something like that. That's which so was funny hilarious.
0: Oh, I love it, but yeah, the 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 point is like the <laughs> delineations, and that makes that significantly harder. If you're solving for star tilde, you know, <laughs> D capital H R, uh, it's significantly harder. But yeah, like statistically
1: unreasonable to try to brute force. Like, yeah, a, there's yeah, no reason sure. why every password shouldn't be that way. Like, it's, it's
0: yeah. just it's too easy. It's easy now with the password managers. Um, But yeah. <laughs> The F12 packet. Yeah, man, you got to get in and do that Missouri disencryption. Uh, F12 is the universal decryptor. So um, <laughs> I digress. That's uh, so good. But yeah, so I mean, so this, this is the, the starting point. So the, let's assume you now have, as a human, reached this, this blissful state where you have a core identity provider, it's ready and willing to, to set up your SAML and OIDC integrations for access. Um, And you've got your password manager and it's tied and it's got those things in it. And I think, you know, what what I've always loved about doing that next step and getting the password manager, getting the passwords delineated, right? Getting those things to where you do have some segmentation and answers for how am I going to manage these passwords that I share with other people? Right. When you get down into that service provider level, those admin credentials, those type of things. And um, are you tracking too? Yeah. who Are you tracking? Can you yeah. meet the you know, when you talk about your triple A, right? Your authentication, authorization and accountability. <laughs> we want to know who did it. Uh, and so you have to get into that part of it, too. And it's really monstrous. Right. Because even if you're tracking a single password and credential and I write down the credential, if it's not being rotated, if it's not being changed, you actually have no attribution aspect, right? You, I, you, I can still argue that Matt wrote that down, took it home and used it, right? As opposed to having to get a new one each time. And I think that's where you're heading is. Um, some of the things that you guys do is actually rotate those passwords, store them up to date so that you can actually find some degree of attribution in a fairly hard to, to attribute world. Um, yeah. And so I, so I love that. But one of the things that I was going to make a point about is When I was at my former MSP, you know, when I wrapped up, I had 66 applications in single sign-on, right? I mean, to even have 66 that you could name right now is pretty tough, but you kind of hit on it, right? It's all the things, it's all the HubSpots and the you got to get into your password account and, you know, it's all of those things. But what I did was once we had password managers, those became the hunting ground for those applications, right? Especially if you have some systemic password manager where you can look at it top down and say, I've got 72 users using Dropbox. Maybe that's the next one that has the most impact that I can go single sign on and drive down that path. And um, so don't miss that your password managers become hunting grounds. And one of the things I'd say to a person working at a password management space would be learn to report on those. Learn to give me high aggregate reporting that can say, all my customers that are now in this, they have this many applications that are on that hunting ground. And if our password manager people could go far enough to say, and they support SAML, and they support OIDC, and they, now you could almost be that bridge gap of intelligence that, um, that drives us towards being able to hunt through that and find and secure ourselves to drive towards a passwordless world, right? Where we can use a passwordless identity provider on the front end that has extensibility for those AAAs all the way down to the consuming entity. Um, but yeah, sorry, a little off, off tangent here.
1: No, no, you're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, um, like, like it, 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 we're on the way there. It's going to take a while. You should SSO everything you possibly can. It's, it's much better practice than having passwords. Uh, but you need like an audit trail and especially it with, you know, the increase of attacks, um, the
0: cyber no attacks happening. (laughs) Cyber insurance isn't changing in any material way because of, like, loss of actuarial data and assumptions that were made. Pshaw. Well, yeah, no, you,
1: so you look at the big thing everybody's talking about right now is all the cyber insurance providers, their grand thing of how they can calculate risk now and, like, like,
0: do it all. They're like, you have to have
1: MFA enabled. That was, like, their big thing. We won't cover it unless MFA is enabled, which, yeah. you know, is a great – All the way down strategy. to the switch,
0: right? I'm looking at you, travelers. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I get it. I want to touch on a couple of comments here. So um, Michael Schwartz asks, what about random passphrase generators instead of random characters? Yeah, all day. Love passphrases. phrases. Yeah. I usually use my passphrases, Michael, as the front-end credentials, right, to my identity providers because it's long, it's got spaces, there's words in it. You can put some uppercase and some characters in it as well. Um, but then that accesses random passwords just because the random character generation that exists is always going to have a, lo- a very high entropy uh, and words – typically don't have as high of an entropy i mean as they're spaced out they certainly would um but my my opinion would be pass phrases are used for the front end of what you have to remember and then Mm -hmm. the back-end credentials stored in password managers are just massive random generations um and if you can find one that'll let you put in some gendy reference even better like then it's just fun because then you hope your password had Gendi in it and it went somewhere but um the other piece go ahead go ahead jimmy So no, just on the back end, too, if if it can be
1: injected without uh, the user being able to see what the password is, is even better as well, especially for shared credentials. It,
0: it is. And I think that adds an arguable amount of defensibility. I think it doesn't stand up super well, right, because most mm-hmm. forms based authentication, that injection is still somewhat good. trackable in the F12. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I would say that part of it. Um, but I agree. Right. Part of what your role is and what your company's role is is to find ways to add to that story. To add to There's. that attribution story, right? And and that's part of it. So I've never really been behind the hide the password, they won't find it, because I'm a find it guy. So, oh, yeah. And um, then you yeah, change but, it
1: every day, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: true story. Now you have a much shorter time window, too. Um, and Dan Johnson. So, just speaking uh, of, of who this is, Dan Johnson's actually a rock star, good friend of mine. Owner of an MSP, probably one of the more forward looking and thinking MSPs, which I admire because I can only ever look forward and sideways at the same time. Uh, so anytime it's always forward, it's good. No, uh, Dan's great. But he asked the question of, you know, what about conditional access requirements for the password manager? Um, Dan, that's kind of my point, right? Like if I SSO into my password manager, then I bring that attribution of those conditional access policies and requirements back to the front end of my of my IDP, whether that's Okta or Microsoft or whoever. And so what I would do is I would make a quick pass SAML application and a quick pass conditional access policy that has certain requirements and restrictions of which I'm okay with before signing into quick pass. And a great example might be, you know, even though you're signing into Office and Outlook, not as big a deal. But if you want to use that same OAuth token to sign into your password manager, now you're going to need to be coming from an Azure Active Directory bound machine. It needs to be encrypted. It has to pass its last compliance check. It must be up to date. It also has to have these tools. So like you can get into crafting those CAs back at the point of collection. The other reason I really, really love IDP-centric um, collection and attribution is the IDP-centric place is under my control. So even if the software provider sucks at logging or has horrible attribution kind of context and things that it's doing, I can say, here's where this person authenticated and here's where I passed this answer back to that that consuming entity. Um, and so I can actually track that sign-in aspect. I might not be able to track the authorization and the other things that go in that side, but I can certainly track the accountability of that authentication, at least in that stage. So, um, yes, Dan, 100%, <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, I just like to own that in the IDP rather than in the password manager themselves. But you would like to have things like you know, conditional requirements for passwords. Like inside yeah. the password manager, if I open nine passwords, fine. If I go up in 172, red flag. Maybe we have some some problems that uh, that escape. And then Dan Johnson agrees with one thing. Uh, is exactly what he was thinking. Uh, the Daniel Johnson brilliant comment. I'm wagering, uh, and he's not wrong. <laughs> he's, he's definitely brilliant. Uh, I love it. But uh, but anyways, yeah. So so now we're at this stage of. We kind of have a plan forward. We understand that that in order to be passwordless, we have to be SSO'd. See, we do have a Dom. Dom. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> There's Dom Kirby right there. I can't move my finger to follow him backwards, though. It doesn't work, apparently. Um, but anyway, so we now have this password manager. It's filled with all the passwords. We're rotating passwords on the places where we cannot replace them right and and i kind of want to touch on something you said earlier like when we're talking about the critical problem of msps today right an msp needing to get in an admin credential to go into microsoft and do something in their portal for their client those type of things are, are shifting to IDP as well. Um, Microsoft, mm-hmm. I can now talk about it. I've been on the GDAP's advisory uh, space for, um, Dan did just kudos himself, and it, and it was brilliant. He did a great job at it too. Um, yeah, but, but, you know, I was on the advisory panel for Microsoft's GDAP, which is their granular delegated administration permissions. What GDAP does is now you're just Jimmy. When you sign into that third-party tenant, you still sign in as Jimmy Hatzel at quickpass.com. You are not actually faking an identity anymore. You're starting to actually be the pseudo you that signs in and does work. And so now attribution is still you, very attributed uh, through Microsoft's entire ecosystem. And I bring that up to say these vendors are starting to figure this out. Um, To your point, it might be 2040, but (laughs) they are starting to figure this out and drive down this path to understand the rest of the ramifications beyond just the first authentication, the authorization aspects and extensibility, the authentication and the accountability aspects of tracking what happened and and where we're going. So a lot of this is restricted, um, (laughs) not my intent. So Dan's now saying I misread it and Simi kudos to him. Like, I got you, bro. hundred percent. Dan Johnson was saying it's exactly what he was thinking about the CA methodologies, not about Dan Johnson. And I simply misread it. (laughs) It's a little sus, a little sus, Dan, a little sus. Uh, Anyways, I digress. But, uh, but yeah, so, so I don't want to keep everybody too terribly long. We're getting towards the end of it. And so what I'd love to do is give me some closing thoughts on, on, on where, where you feel people are today. I'd like to know in your mind how far down this journey we just talked about, right? From crappy reused passwords to password manager To password manager bolted into an identity source to password manager that also additionally rotates those passwords that i know are high sensitivity high risk or high need of attribution where would you put msps in that space
1: uh i think well i i'll talk about general users first i think the general users are aware there is a problem now and that's that's as far as we've gotten so you show yeah. yeah well you show someone the dark web report of all their passwords and it's less shocking to to people as it was five years ago because they've yeah. seen it before they're they're aware that they're constantly getting breached and that's bad.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it's funny. So yeah, so the general users now aware. I, I laughed and cut you off, but they, uh, no, no,
1: and 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 MSPs are starting to the top one to ten percent of their applications are using this like best practices the, yeah, all, yeah. that's on the way to passwordless. But still like in most cases, 90% of logins and stuff are still going to be based on passwords. And and we got to, you know, we, that, that's where, like, <laughs> that's where the security flaws are going to come from, right? That's where the oh, zero yeah. days
0: and CVs are coming yeah, from. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Solarwinds <laughs> so, one, two, three, right? Like, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> you know that's where they come from for sure. Um, yeah. So we've so got some work to do still. I think time. I'm, I'm with you. I think that, you know, we like so many things in security were a very soft target, right? You know, my mission and what drives me is that my children will not have the same experience as I did running and growing up in virgin technology land where everything was just magical and the world was beautiful and all this capability. And I had a Nintendo for God's sakes. Like I could actually do that instead of dream it up in a ditch in the back, like and, and so you start getting into this world where if our kids are going to have that same life, we can't hemorrhage $7.8 trillion a year in, in cyber loss. We can't we can't let our intellectual property disappear. We can't let the confidence in our financial systems erode. And so as I think about that, like we really are in a bad place. Passwords are probably one of the worst pieces of this combined with lack of MFA adoption. And between those two, I can relatively guess that if Jimmy uses Hunter 2, or that might be Dom, uses Hunter 2 on his on his Instagram account. He's probably using it on his corporate access. And he's probably using it on his Facebook. And he's probably using it on all these other services that we use. And so if I was a threat actor today, low caveat, I am not a threat actor. I do nothing illegal. But if I was, it's such a soft target. The barrier to entry is not very high. The level of protection is almost abysmal. And so what I would leave us with as we wrap this up is, go through your password manager if you already have one and see what kind of crossover you have. See how many of those are actually secure passwords and how many of them are your dog's name the year you were born and an exclamation point still. Right, like, and of course, it is trickery. Hunter two exclamation point fb, which, by the way, is not all that hard to fuzz the delineations in that password. Right, like, it's nothing hard, <laughs> nothing illegal. Uh, yes, nothing proved to be illegal, Bryson, as I understand it. So, um, I'll give it a caveat. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think that people need to go and take action out of this i would love to know that someone comments below and says hey because of this i i put in new passwords or because of this i went and and, and established an an, sso to my password manager or "or added a fido 2 token i've got a new webinar series i'm doing called protect yourself with fido Um, And I'm going to be walking people through how to add those FIDO tokens to protect themselves on their Xbox account and on their Chase banking account. And I'm going to see if Dom will let me put it on his financial accounts. Um, (laughs) My code, of course, not his. But uh, anyways, (laughs) so thank you guys for paying attention. Jimmy, any closing words before we drop out of this? I know we could probably talk about passwords for forever, but nobody wants to hear it that long. So.
1: Yeah, I'll just say that security is, is a process. It's not a single product. So. You know, you go <laughs> it um, is a process. Security is a process. So you yeah. set to where you're going, password list in 20 years, and you, you make a plan, you, you work on it as you go.
0: To this Matthew, Matthew Fox. Fox dude's mustache is so money. Like it's that so is good. money. Um, so yeah. And Michael's got it right. I try to live with plausible deniability, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, it is a process, and so many times marketing people, and you and I talked about this before the show, but so many times marketing people get this wrong, and, and they, they live in this histrionics. Buy my product, and we'll stop everything. Have zero trust, and the world is solved, and I think it does us a disservice, and it makes those educators like you and me have to fight an uphill battle to say, no, I can get by Sentinel-1 with PowerShell right now. I can do these things are merely pieces in the puzzle to create the, if you want to go Microsoft, the Swiss cheese model, if you want to go, you know, whatever, but creating layered defense, but ultimately, you know, it's the weak and stupid stuff that usually gets us popped. Um, and using the same password is probably the simplest thing you can explain (laughs) to people. (laughs) So yeah, cool. Work on your cyber
1: hygiene. (laughs) Amen, (laughs)
0: brother. There Jimmy, it's been a blast, and I always appreciate having uh, having my friends come on and, and get to chat about security. I, I joke I have a face I drew on the wall in my office. It's because at some point people are tired of hearing me talk about cybersecurity, and I just go talk to the face. Like, it never <laughs> complains. It's wonderful. It's like Wilson. Um, so <laughs> anyways, thanks for being on, on today, guys, and appreciate the comments and the chat. It made it super fun. So see yeah, you guys Yeah, thanks, later. everyone, for the banter. Thanks. The banter.